Hello and welcome to the very first renewable energy podcast from Aaron Fox Schiff. My name is Sarah Fitz and I am a partner in the Environment and Energy Group and also Corporate Transactions. We are really thrilled to be launching this podcast and we're especially thrilled that our very first guest will be Tom Warrick. Tom currently oversees marketing at EDP Renewables North America and he comes to us from Houston, Texas. He used to be in New York when he was at Rubicon Capital Advisors and Director of Marketing at Cohn Resnick. And before that, he was in D.C. when he was Senior Vice President of Corporate Relations at the American Council on Renewable Energy, where I first met him. Tom has been in the room where it happens, a fly on the wall, or whatever other metaphor you like, but really an integral person in the development of the renewable energy industry over the last many years. And he'll bring to us a unique insight. So let's begin the conversation. Hello, Tom. Hi, Sarah. It's good to see you and and good to talk to you today. Yeah, it really is. Thank you for coming. So you're busy with a full-time job, but you're still writing a book. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and what your conception of it is? Yeah, no, thank you. I call it a labor of love in a lot of ways. And let me tell you, for anyone out there who is exploring writing a book, definitely do it. You know, walk into it with eyes wide open, knowing that it is a commitment. It's it's almost like doing a graduate school program on top of a a full-time executive role or, or even doing another job, right? But yeah, the genesis of the book began twofold. I was going to be writing an op-ed about a past mentor of mine, Lieutenant Colonel William Holmberg, or as we all knew him affectionately as Bill Holmberg. And he was one of the very first people that I met when I first started in renewables at ACOR at the age of 23. And he had just such a profound way about him where his leadership style really empowered and mobilized all of us who were in our 20s to keep within renewables, to constantly have this hunger, right? And this intellectual curiosity to explore it further and really to know that every day we are making an impact and how the industry is coming together. Because back then in the early 2000s, right, policies were still being developed around renewables financing and structuring financing around renewables is also something that was just being undertaken. And then the technology itself was, you know, we we're in the early 2000s, right? Looking at 2000, 2003, 2004, it was right before solar started to ramp up, right? So a lot of that innovation behind solar, obviously the growth of the wind industry and the initial birth of conversations around battery storage, right? Began then. So that was, you know, so I was, I was writing this op-ed. I was wanting to write this op-ed because I had missed uh, Bill's funeral. And being Catholic and having Catholic guilt, I felt like, well, I, I need to make it up to him and to his widow and his sons. And so I started writing this op-ed and interviewing individuals in the biomass and biofuels industry, which is where he originally came from. And I realized really quickly through these interviews, that there are just so many other stories out there about the origins of the industry, about risk-taking, right? And things that people did that a lot of folks coming into this industry to today aren't aware of, right? I'll put a pin on that, but that was the first part of the story of how I got the book started. The second part was I was approached by an old professor of mine, Eric Kester at Georgetown University, who had set up a very interesting institute called the Creator Institute, whose mission is to basically help spark careers and help create 1,000 new authors a year across all genres, right? So, you know, mine can be considered thought leadership or leadership and business, but he covers all genres, including horror and, and fiction and the whole thing. Anyway, he approached me about four years ago saying, listen, you've been part of renewables for what looks like to be a long time. You have a story to tell. You should write a book about it. And, you know, like many other people, I said, listen, I have a job. There's just no way. And it's a testament to him. He was persistent. And he approached me again about a year and a half ago saying, it's time. 
If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. So that kind of came together. And so I joined his program, which is under the auspices of this Creator Institute, which is under the School of Business, the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown. And you know, joined the program where they kind of arm you with not only theoretical knowledge on writing and how to be a stronger writer, but also they give you background in publishing business, author rights, right? The whole shebang. And so it's been a phenomenal journey. And as a result, I went through that program, which was about 16 weeks, and then combined that with research interviews interviewing over 102 individuals, narrowing that down to 25 executives that I cover in this book. And then, you know, getting then greenlit and taken on by New Degree Press, which is a hybrid publisher who will be publishing me in September. A little long-winded, but that's kind of the story. So the two (laughs) conflated together. And as a result, as many things happen in life, unplanned, but they came together and synced Mm -hmm. up well. and, And here we are. Yeah. I thought you could tell us about your perspective on renewable energy and how it's developed over the last few decades. That's a loaded question, right? <laughs> it's, okay, it's so where did it so start? Much. Where did it start? Yeah, no, well, you know, listen, I think there's many ways you could, uh, you know, slice and dice it. But I would say many of us in renewables, I think, agree that the, the modern reincarnation of renewable energy of the industry we know today started in the 70s, right, with the Carter administration and with the oil crisis of the late 70s. And I feel in, in a lot of ways that kicked off an exploration of renewables and transitioning it off the shelves of national labs right, and of entrepreneurs and onto Wall Street, right, and into warehouses and manufacturing plants, right? And so we, I think that's when it began. And I think that's what really kicked it off. And we saw, as you know, boom and bust periods since then that have given both impetus to the industry growth, right? And then other times where, you know, we face some challenges in many ways, be it tax incentives not being extended, supply chain disruptions, as we've seen during this most recent COVID period, right? And, and other things like that. But I'd say the 70s and the oil embargo and the crisis then was what really, I think, kicked off and sparked our modern incarnation of this industry. So, Tom... Why do you think renewable energy advances correlate with crises? Well, it's a very interesting question. I would say renewable energy advances correlate with crises just because we are such a, I would say, an agile industry that's very adept. And we are an industry, I would say, based on innovation. We're a group of innovators that's here to innovate solutions out of the challenges we see in the energy grid. So I feel like of all the industries out there, renewables entrepreneurs are wired in a way that allow them to identify gaps be it in supply chain gaps, be it in technology gaps, be it in the way we transmit energy, right? And really try to uh, craft solutions, be they technology solutions, finance solutions, policy solutions, right? To better adapt ourselves to the ever-changing energy sector. And I feel at the end of the day, when you look at where we've grown the most and we've made the most advances in the industry, it's always been in situations of challenge. And those challenges could be honestly everything from the Texas heat that we felt this week, right? To the natural climate phenomenon we're experiencing with greater hurricanes, right, and climate disasters, I see that us as an industry that stands up and that addresses those issues through innovation and figuring out, well, how do we better adapt renewables to fit those situations? And I think, you know, in a lot of ways also, when we look at financial crises, like the economic downturn in 2008, right, the industry was doing really well. We then hit that speed bump of the economic crisis. But out of that came greater policy from Washington, right, greater economic indicators showing, well, 
it still is time to invest in renewables. It's time to create access to more resilient energy, right? And access to greater capital and figuring out how do we keep that capital out there? How do we keep capital that is not expensive, right? And how do we really figure out how do we restructure how we advance renewables finance, right? So greater talks about going just beyond loan guarantees to looking at green bonds, looking at innovation of green bonds and structuring deals, as well as innovation of new forms of renewables, right? Looking at community solar and the community solar phenomenon, right? That's come out of urgency and necessity in, in terms of accessing reliable energy for communities. So it's been an industry, I would say, that traditionally would have maybe shirked away from those opportunities. I think we're an industry that actually embraces and approaches those challenges with innovation. So in the framework of your book, what leadership characteristics specifically speak to the ability to respond to a crisis? I would say two of them, right? Obviously, adaptability. I would say the typical renewable CEO is adept and adaptable. Looking at situations and saying, okay, we're going to adapt our business model. We're going to adapt our technology. We're going to adapt our financing mechanism, right, to meet the needs of the the present day industry, the present day market. I'll say the other big trait is persistence. I almost was border persistence with stubbornness, right? We want to make it work. I think when you're in the renewables industry, right, it's an industry made up of people that volunteer to be in the renewables industry. We see the potential of renewables, right? And we want to see it succeed. And we feel that we're being called to create impact, be it impact in our local community, be it impact uh, in terms of looking at the overall environment and saying, listen, we, we need to do something to curb climate change, right? So I think those two traits married to this feeling, this internal passion to create impact, that's what makes us different. And that's what I hope my book addresses. So what are your predictions for the industry for the next one year, three year, and five year, really concisely? Gosh, one year sometimes in the renewable energy industry feels like five or 10 years in one, right? It's so hard to predict. I would say that there's going to be two major shifts. Number one, it's all going to be technology-based, right? The greater incorporation of AI and demand response systems and microgrids, right, are going to completely revolutionize how we view not only renewables, but how we view the grid in, in its entirety, right? At the end of the day, it's all about creating resiliency. And I feel that the greater software side of the industry will finally marry with the hardware side. And we're going to be starting to incorporate these hybrid projects, right? Projects where we have not only solar and storage talking to each other, but EV technologies, right? Tapping into building efficiencies, right? Energy efficiency, tapping into other district heating and cooling, right? So I see a software side of the business really ramping up to where we need it to be and really taking advantage of being able to hedge risks, hedge energy when we need it, and, and kind of balance out peak loads. So that's going to be, I would say, one of my predictions. And I think that's going to happen not only within this next year, but we're going to see that advance and actually ramp up in the next five to 10 years. The other side of the industry, I think, will be looking at how we view our energy grid, right? So I believe community solar is just at its heyday. It's, it's going to just ramp up even further. So community solar, I think, will be a game changer, right. uh, as will distributed generation. When people say community solar, it's essentially rooftop solar for people who don't have roofs. So we put it somewhere else, but can simulate the economics of individuals owning their own rooftop solar. So why do you 100%. think that's such why do you think that's such a game changer? I think it's a game changer almost from a sociology point of view, right? We're we're creating democratic access to energy. We're providing access to clean energy that normally, as you pointed out, would not have been available to folks who, let's say, don't have a roof or live in an apartment building, right? Or don't own their own property or don't have enough acreage around their house, right? What's amazing is we are creating this equitable 
equal access to clean energy that hasn't existed before. I think that's a game changer, especially when you view it in the context of being able to provide cost-effective energy to those who need it. For example, providing community solar to low to moderate income housing, right? Or providing community solar to charities like Catholic charities that have low to medium income or low to moderate income housing developments, right? So I think that democratic approach to energy is going to be a game changer in itself. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing how else community solar can be applied in a variety of ways. One of the things one notices when looking at the people in your book is they were all kind of maverick entrepreneurs. But the nature of the clean energy market has obviously dramatically changed as it's become big utilities and others who weren't traditionally there at the beginning. Do you think that's going to change the nature of the kind of person who goes into renewable energy? You know, I think it has changed. As we've matured as an industry, we've become so risk averse, right? And we're told every day, you know, avert risk, try to keep away from risky deals and so forth. However, I think we have to look at risk in a whole new way. We, even in a mature industry, take on risk, right? We assess risk. We try to figure out, as one of the executives I interviewed stated really well, we have to figure out how much risk is palatable for us to take. How much risk can we stomach, right? How much risk can we assess in our overall view of what we take on in terms of projects or in terms of portfolio projects, things like that. And I think that we need to invite some of that risk-taking back into our dextology, back into our psyche, right? Those original mavericks, yes, they were mavericks, but at the same time, they became titans of industry, be it in technology or titans in financial sectors, right, or titans in the political realm, right? So we need to invite that risk-taking back and also that audacity. We have to be audacious. I think our industry is built on visionary, audacious leaders. And if we don't have that vision, if we don't have that audacity, if we don't look at the problems we see today and go, you know what, let's think outside the box, we're actually shortchanging ourselves because this whole industry is built on that audacity. And to take that out of the equation, we'll be taking out a vital piece of our, I would say, our genetic code of our DNA of what makes a successful leader in renewable. So I hope this book is a call to action to bring that audacity back and to really to invite everybody in any part that we play in the industry to invite folks to actually make that impact. We all can create the impact no matter where we are in our career journey in renewable. So that's my biggest hope is that people hear that call to action and that we scale up and really advance where we are in renewables today. Okay, so you were very deliberate in picking which people that you decided to profile in depth. Can you talk a little bit about how you chose the people you wrote about and what distinguishes them? Definitely, definitely. And that was something I struggled with, right, was the methodology behind choosing folks. Because I cannot lie, there are just so many individuals that could have written about. I mean, we're truly blessed as an industry with so many leaders across so many different technologies, right? And it was really gut-wrenching for me to take those 102 and then narrow it down to 25. But the the lens I took was this risk-taking lens, right? So first criteria, was this somebody who was part of the original industry, right? And that could be defined as someone from a timeline perspective who engaged in the industry starting around the late 70s, right in the 80s? Or secondarily, was this somebody who was in an industry that has come to fruition in the most recent years, like, for example, storage, right? So that was the first criteria. The second one was this risk-taking perspective, right? Did they take risks? And did they either consciously or unconsciously take the risk, right? But did they take a risk? And and understandably, many of us today take risks, right? Many of us have families. You sometimes start a venture and that is a risk to your family, right? 
But I wanted to go one step further. Did they really take a risk that not only impacted, let's say, their personalized, but also their professional careers long term, right? And so that was kind of the second criteria I took. And then the third one, honestly, was their contribution. Did the risk they take result in some kind of meaningful contribution, be it a form of structured finance, be it a form of a policy, right? Be it a form of anything else in the industry, right? Is there something that still resonates today in this industry that has helped us continue in the industry, right? So those were kind of the three I would say key factors or filters that I use that helped me deduce it. Now, the other thing I was very cognizant about and deliberate about was gender parity and socioeconomic backgrounds. I feel as a 21st century industry that's all encompassing, that is all welcoming of anybody with skill sets that could help renewables. I felt I wanted to have a balanced story because we as industry deserve it, I think. And we truly have been, like I said before, we have been blessed with leaders from all walks of life. So that was kind of the methodology in essence and how I approached all these executives. So thanks for telling us about your book. Can you now tell us how we can follow you and when it's expected to be available? Definitely. Well, thank you. Yes, you can purchase the book starting October 1st on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, at your local bookstores. Also, feel free to join the distribution list for early uh, promos on the book at wetooktherisk.com. In addition, I'm on social media as Tom Weirich. You can't miss me on LinkedIn, on Twitter on Facebook, on Instagram. So feel free to join, follow me on my journey there. And like I said, just feel free to log on to any of those channels. Also, the book was created in tandem with a great program at Georgetown University called the Creator Institute. So for any of you that are budding, aspiring authors who would like to write your first book, by all means, get in touch with me. I'm happy to put you in touch with that great team over there that really helped make this all possible. So again, thank you for this opportunity to join you all, Sarah. You've been a friend for a long time, and I'm really glad we got this chance to talk. And you're a part of the journey, Sarah. I think that's the beauty of it. Uh, also, that you are a vital part of this journey in renewables. We all are, right? And that was one of the biggest lessons I learned was when I was writing this book, not to include my voice in it, right? And that was the toughest part. I wasn't just a bystander. I was an active participant in this journey, just like you were. So that's kind of one of my parting lessons for us all is that we all have a vital part to play in this renewables journey. Thanks, Tom.